Welcome to season four of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Over the first three seasons of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, we've had the opportunity to speak with men and women around the world who are staking their claim in the esports industry. This season, the theme is going to be accelerating success and harnessing the power of esports incubators and accelerators. Tom and his team are going to highlight the crucial role that incubators and accelerators have on the esports industry and showcase the journeys of entrepreneurs who have leveraged these programs to propel their businesses forward. And now, here's your host, Tom Leonard. I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast, where we talk about how esports can create jobs anywhere in the world. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Now, in season one, we talked about jobs. In season two, we talked about follow the money. We talked to investors. We talked to sponsors. And in season three, we talked about business basics. Now we're on to season four called Accelerating Esports Success. We're talking to people around the world, telling their stories of how entrepreneurs can tap into resources provided by accelerators, incubators, and other platforms to hone their skills. The goal of these conversations is to provide inspiration to esports entrepreneurs, both new and established, to seek help in um, achieving their goals. Now, today, really, really glad because we talked to we talked to him in the past, but it's the first time on the podcast. Uh, uh, we're talking to Jason Kraus, and he's with Prepare for VC, which, which is a great name. It's like that, that I, you you know exactly what that is. Uh, he's also an investor and an author. And uh, we welcome him to the podcast. Welcome, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here and really looking forward to our conversation today. Great, great. Uh, where, where are you speaking to us from? I'm based in Boston and um, <clears throat> yeah, excited to connect with all the entrepreneurs in your network. Great. So, you, uh, so you've always been in Boston, right? Um, yeah, I actually. So I grew up uh, like 45 minutes from the city and then... Um, Went to school in upstate New York, came back for grad school, uh, and then um, stuck around ever since. We always, it, we always kind of give a geography lesson here because our, our audience is like you're from all over the world and they don't always know where everything is in the U.S. And certainly Boston's in the very northeast. Could you describe maybe a little difference? Because there is a big startup uh, environment in, in your area. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, uh, Silicon Valley you know, out here in the Bay Area. But can you describe maybe a little bit about what what, uh, what role um, the Boston area plays in startups? Sure. Yeah, it's actually a really big um, startup, startup community, especially for, um, I'd say the biggest influence is probably the uh, university systems and the hospitals in the area. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of tech, companies more focused on the B2B, um, you know, companies that are selling to other businesses, and then a lot of focus on the med tech and biotech industries um, with a big uh, hospital system and a lot of research institutions around the area. Um, so yeah, those are traditionally the biggest, but there's also, you know, more consumer tech and other industries here as well. Um, I'd say... Yeah, the shift is, or kind of comparing some of the markets. Um, you, uh, Boston tends to be a little bit more like prove each step of the way in the fundraising journey. Where, um, so you know, you might raise uh, several hundred thousand dollar round that'll get you to your few million dollar round um, in Boston. Where in Silicon Valley, it might be more, you know, raise a large mega round at the beginning and um go for you know kind of that all or nothing uh build on your venture um yeah where you know boston tends to focus on more of let's make it somewhat uh there are some you know case there there's plenty of success stories that are huge uh billion dollar plus ventures but there's also a lot of businesses that are built um and, you know, either merge or get acquired by other businesses that can make them even bigger companies from there. One of the things that we, we hear is that yeah, there's, just, there's no such thing as a cookie cutter. This is exactly the way it works. It's like sure. It works differently 
in different places because of the people that are involved in in those different areas. One of the first things, because we, we talk about esports entrepreneurs here around the world, uh, are you a gamer? Um, I enjoy <clears throat> I enjoy gaming. Uh, not um, I kind of was always uh, I mean I was always into more like you know um kind of the in per or like playing games with friends uh in person got a little bit into more of the virtual um you know the yeah you know virtual market there too um like playing online but um not as heavily uh yeah i always liked kind of meeting up with people you know and then um i know like the market's really expanded the last uh four or five years or so especially in terms of um you know, capabilities of streaming and online gaming and everything. Uh, so yeah, exciting to see everything really coming together and all the esports teams and everything really, you know, taking off the last uh, five, six years or so. It's, you know, it's good. To, one of the things it's, <clears throat> that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are finding it, uh, it's probably finding uh, in the, uh, in the VC world, in the startup world, as much as in the sponsorship world, People who are asking for funding, asking for money, there's a better chance they're talking to someone who's a gamer across the table than in the past, which is which works in their favor. Because even you don't have to be a real huge gamer, but if you understand the ecosystem, it sure. makes a difference. I want to talk a little bit about how you got started. Because one of the things we talk about, we've talked about since the beginning of the podcast is one of the most important parts are the the, the beginning stories. It's like, where's that inflection point? It's like, you know, I was doing this and then I, I realized I could do this and I went out and did it sort of thing. You know, what is curious about your, um, your start in, in, in the industry that you're in and providing tools, working, you know, creating organizations and investing in organizations, uh, businesses out there. Could you talk a little bit about where you were before and then why you decided this was a good industry to be involved in? Sure. Um, I guess the main tie, if we're talking about the gaming space, uh, you know, growing up, I'd always, uh, I'd say even with like physical games, uh, like, you know, board games, card games, um, you know, kind of backyard games too, I'd always uh, try to like come up with new rules and, you know, um, create a little spin on the actual uh, games itself, try to, try, to, try to create something new. and. Um, you know, it seems like something a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs now are doing too is like, you know, this is what we've been doing, but what if we did it this way and would it be more fun and exciting? Um and so, you know, always had that entrepreneurial spirit on creating something. Um was uh and then, you know, really like the finance aspect, trying to figure out um, you know, what would basically the pretty um analytical trying to figure out you know what would become a good investment in the future and using whatever data and resources were available to figure that out um so that's when uh you know i was going down more of the financial management um like stock stock analysis uh pathway but um what really kind of sparked my interest was uh i was at grad school at um babson kind of right outside of boston and uh there's a big entrepreneurial community there and got involved with one of the local um angel investment groups as an intern when i was going through that through that program uh, called boston harbor angels and got to get involved with the basic uh the pitch meetings and screening meetings that they had every month um and saw, you know, they were taking a financial analysis approach, but they were coming and reviewing startups that were up and coming, like businesses most people hadn't heard of yet, trying to figure out, you know, what would be really successful five to 10 years in the future. And um, I, yeah, I got really excited about that and, you know, kind of saw the overlap between the entrepreneurship and the finance interests. Um, so yeah, I've been involved in a couple uh venture funds on more of an analyst and into uh partner 
role there. And then um, what kicked off my venture I have called Prepare for VC was um, really taking uh, taking what I was learning on the investment side um, and you know the experience analyzing hundreds of different startups um, and investment opportunities and trying to help the the founders uh, create better pitches and presentations that would excite investors. Um, so there were a lot of great entrepreneurs that, you know, they knew exactly how to pitch their company to customers, but it's a completely different scenario, you know, taking that pitch and <clears throat> talking about the business overall and getting investors excited about it. So yeah, that's where we started there. Um, it was more one of my, uh, um, partners on the company now um, describes like the beginning of it as Jason as a service. I was just kind of out there, you know, doing individual consulting and trying to help startup founders based on my personal experience. And then as we grew our team out, um, it was really uh, leveraging everybody that came in as a mentor, partner, advisor of all the different companies, um, having these shared backgrounds and experiences that can help startup founders so they don't have to go through, uh, you know, make as many mistakes on their own. They can learn from other people in the industry and achieve their goals faster. One of the things I hear from you is you're curious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How does that, how does that, how does that help you? And in the people that you're, you're investing with or people you were looking at founders or things like that, how important is curiosity? I think um I think it's very important. So, you know, the I think the big differentiator is um spotting spotting opportunities or spotting things to change and be curious about where uh, yeah, the big opportunity is spotting things uh opportunities to change and advance what other people might just see as problems you know they could um that they have to live with uh entrepreneurs will be thinking about how do we actually solve this and make it better and um you know yeah being curious about like what the world could look like if if you did x y or z and um you know not just and uh yeah being open to kind of go out testing testing the market and see what works yes the whole testing um uh, approach to things. It's just unbelievably powerful. It's like when I was working at Netflix, when they were just starting out, I mean, we tested everything. And that's one of the reasons they're where they are today is because they just, they knew how to test and, and what to do with the information. So yeah. And I, I like the numbers too, and I have a finance background. And so yeah, I know exactly what it is you're talking about there. So now on, on, one of your ventures called EQX, EQX Fund. Am I saying that right? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. EQX Fund. It's uh, EQ is the emotional quotient. Um, basically, the the um, entrepreneur's ability to really understand, um, you know, everything from leadership skills and themselves to recognizing when they need support in certain areas. And uh, the whole purpose of the fund is that it's, especially at the early, you know, uh, seed series A level, um, you're really betting on the founders and, you know, it's the people behind the businesses that are going to, if you have two founders with similar ideas and, you know, um, one of them has more of that EQ and, you know, leadership capability, uh, they, they can take the venture forward and make it more, a more successful company. Um, so yeah, it's been, you know, common or what we're, what we've been looking for a combination of, uh, you know, s- some serial entrepreneurs that have built up successful startups in the past. Um, it's industry experts and their sector vertical that, you know, now we're taking, um, something they're like one of the top people in the world in that category and creating a startup out of it. Um, and it's kind of up and coming or 
ventures. You know, we really like what they've built and they're leading in their company already. You know, this this startup as their uh, kind of proving ground. You know, the people they've surrounded themselves with as advisors, board members, team uh, team members, and you know their ability to listen to feedback from their customers and you know everybody around them and apply it to their business and you know take it forward and um figuring out where to go next yeah we hear that a lot about people are betting on the founders not on the product so it's like uh, it it seems it seems to be a universal story that we 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 fortunately keep hearing we're looking at the industry in particular in as a whole uh, one of the things that we want to do is for our audience is to give them ideas on what what is it that's out there that what kind of organizations it in, in just reading your book it's just like okay there's 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 all kinds of different types of organizations that you're describing and people because one of the things that we find also in our conversation is we talk to people who are really at the idea stage i've got an idea i want to go do something with it and then you have the people that are a little more established and it probably works differently for for each of those but in a broad sense can you maybe just create a list of the kinds of organizations that in your world uh, entrepreneurs can tap into? Sure. Yeah. I'd say, um, you know, there's communities which are uh, founders, you know, um, entrepreneurs and or people working in startups in general, uh, advisors, investors, you know, kind of all coming together and going to like, share shared events or um networking with each other and kind of having that place they can turn to to meet other people they can learn interact and partner with um there's more incubators and accelerators which uh have structured programming um that can help you know there's kind of a wide range in there too some are um in person with specific like spaces you go to and you know, you're part of that uh, program for a set time period. And, you know, there might be a core curriculum. Um, Some might have more of a course model or some might uh, be investing in the startups for a certain percentage of equity in their company. Um, And, you know, incubators tend to be a little bit earlier stage than accelerators, but there's a pretty big mix on... um, kind of, you know, where they focus on and what stage and sector and, yeah, what they're looking forward to. Um, On the investment side, you know, there's angel groups, which are uh, groups of individual investors that all come together to review deals. Um, Typically, the investors are going to be allocating their own capital, whereas uh, a VC fund would be you know, has a pool of capital, they're investing on behalf of other investors that have put money into their fund. So uh, yeah, an angel um, has a little bit more flexibility in what they can go into. There's not like a strict fund mandate they're following. Uh, So, you know, even if they typically invest in, um, I don't know, they like to see X, Y, and Z, they could just get really excited about something they're passionate about. And you know, want to make an investment in a space that's outside of their normal philosophy, um, where, you know, a venture fund does a little bit more formalized process. They might, uh, you know, um, they'll probably write larger checks, kind of depending on the size of the fund. Um, and, you know, could be anywhere from uh, just a follow-on investor, a lead investor, um, even take a board seat, um, you know, take a board seat on the company and really help um, direct the path forward. So, yeah, I mean, there's other one, you know, there's, I'd say the only, uh, or another category that's becoming increasingly popular now too is the crowdfunding market. Um, so that's, you know, the traditional version was uh, the rewards platform, which is, um, you know, kind of anything from pre-sale to more of a donation-based um, system to help get your early uh, products off the ground. Um, but then uh, the last, I guess it's been 
yeah, close to or about seven years now. Um, there's the equity crowdfunding system. Um, depends on the area you're located in. Uh, each of them have different regulations, but um, the premise is that the public can invest in your company through a platform, and you can get either customers or just people that are really excited about your business to put a small amount of money in and uh, build all of that together for, you know, if you could have um, hundreds of people put in a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars each, and it adds up to a bigger round. um, And then they get some sort of equity or uh, debt financing for your business. Where do, where do entrepreneurs find these kinds of opportunities? Is this a, is this a a Google exercise? Is this a networking exercise or Someone that's not really familiar with this this ecosystem, what what's the best way for them to learn about it? Sure, yeah. Uh, one of our, I mean, um, yeah, one of our goals at Prepare for VC is helping founders find the right opportunities, whether it's uh, through ours or through a network of other accelerators, incubators, and communities that we work with too. Um, you know, I'd say other, uh, there are, um, some good directories and resources online too. Uh, you know, LinkedIn's always a good channel to find like people who work at different, um, accelerators, incubators, angel groups. Um, and then, you know, I'd say the direction we're moving is probably, uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're putting, uh, some work into this right now, but, you know, having, um, more of the AI chat, chat bot, like, uh, tools that can, you can kind of recommend, um, or you can say, you know, this is where I am. This is what I'm looking for. Where should I be going to for advice? And, you know, what, uh, organization should I be applying to or trying to get in front of? Wow. No, that's, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. That's, uh, it's using the tools that are, that are showing up here. Let's say if you're an entrepreneur and you're interested in joining an, a, an official program or an established program out there, what's the best way that you seem to make yourself um, uh, for a more presentable candidate? What, what's going to increase the chances of you being selected for an opportunity that you'd like to participate in? Yeah, I think if we're talking about incubators and accelerators it's acknowledging um uh basically what they're looking at is you know you know you have a good understanding of your strengths and weaknesses you don't have to necessarily know everything up front it can be you know the reason i want to go into this program is i'm really uh i'm a strong technical founder we have all this developed and um you know uh have these channels proven out, but the areas I want to learn and improve on are maybe marketing and sales or something else where, um, you know, you know what you're good at, you know what you want to learn within the program and, uh, kind of helping establish that for the people that are reviewing, you know, your application and, um, kind of having something clear you want to learn from them too. Uh, you know, other places is just showing, um, that you've, you know, you've went out uh, or did some of the low hanging fruit, like, you know, you started talking with other people, um, you know, getting feedback and having uh, some of those recommendations, you know, even showing like, maybe we were going down this path, uh, we talked to customers and, you know, now this is what we're doing because of that. Um, Maybe you're going on the right path and you're kind of helping validate it. But it's just really telling that whole story of where you started, where you are now and where you want to go next and why uh, you're applying to this particular group to help you get there. Would, yeah. What it sounds like is you, you need to have um, a foundation in what it is that you're, you're looking, looking to do out there. And it probably also wraps back to your EQ. I mean, it's, you know, being able to, you know, how do you, how do you measure is your EQ going back to that just a second? Do you, do you have a quantitative measurement that you use there? Um, 
it's something we've been working on. Uh, it's more, I'd say more qualitative at this point, but, um, you know, we'd, we'd like to have that, I guess. Yeah. A lot of it is more, uh, kind of getting to know, getting to know the founders, like seeing their, um, kind of history, the way they run their ventures. And, um, it is more qualitative at this point, but I think, uh, you know, it'd be really cool to have that like component similar to an IQ where you can have, uh, you know, that score and know if it's, um, I think the one thing that, or this could be a much longer discussion too, is, uh, whether that EQ is something that can continuously be improved on over time or whether that's like your EQ. I think our philosophy would be something, it's something that, you know, you can grow the, that skill set, um, you know, as you gain more experience. No, no, there could be a longer discussion because that, that would be really interesting to see, um, to, to test out if it can be, if it can be enhanced and if it can be enhanced, What's the result? Is it worth the investment? But yeah, right. yeah, it'll be easy to get, get uh, in a, in a, in a, in a uh, rabbit hole here for, for, for our discussion. Now, let's say that we're talking about, okay, let's say if, if you're the entrepreneur and you become, you know, you've been selected for a program, uh, a more established program out there. What are the kinds of things that you should be doing to get the most out of that opportunity? Because I think in a lot of cases, people are like, Oh, if I'm accepted, that's all I need to do. Then, then, then I'm in, I'm in the gate. It's like during that, that, um, that experience, what are the kinds of things that you should do? Maybe what you shouldn't do to get the most out of it. Sure. I think uh, one of the biggest challenges as an entrepreneur is at the beginning, um, there's a hundred things you need to be doing in your company and you're you know maybe you have uh maybe you're a solo founder or you have a small like two to ten person team and you know you're managing a lot more roles that'll eventually as your company grows you know be handed off to somebody else but it's um uh the goal or one of the goals of a program you're going into is building up you know, continuing to build some of the strengths, but also uh, helping you figure out the categories you're weakest in now. And um, I can at least like, I'll give an example here. Uh, Say you're, you know, you're not a technical founder. um, You're great at the marketing and sales side. um, But, you know, uh, that's not your strong suit is on the technical side uh the thing you'd be learning would be how do you um know enough to like work with either a cto or technical lead in your company and be able to communicate your clear vision to them um and it doesn't mean you know you necessarily have to know how to how to or learn how to code and develop things yourself it means uh you know you need to be able to under like be able to communicate, you know, what you want developed into what the developer is going to create, create for you. Um, so yeah, some of these programs, you know, a lot of it can come down to the way you, uh, present that vision, the way that, um, you even talk about the business overall and then understanding, um, like what gets other people excited about the company, whether that's, uh, customer, a partner, a team member, an investor, and, you know, how you can build up that excitement uh, by other things you're learning within that program. All that makes sense. Then what about afterwards? It's like, okay, you've, you've, you've been sure. accepted, you've gone through a program, you've been successful in, a, in an established program out there, whether it's a incubator, or accelerator or something or another type of program out there. And now it's over. What are the kinds of things that you should you should be doing to maximize that investment and time and money that you spent to going through the program. Yeah. I think one of the things, um, is most of these, uh, especially, 
you know, cohort-based programs. There's other founders you've gotten to know and um, kind of building those longer-term relationships where you can bounce ideas off of each other, uh, see, you know, what's working, whether that's um, a business strategy or technologies they've been using to enhance, um, reach more customers or enhance their products and kind of, you know, viewing it as like now everybody you went through the program with as part of your inner circle and, you know, trusted network, you can, uh, you can both, you know, you can help each other out and it's a win-win situation where, you know, both companies or ever, you know, people who are talking and working with each other can all be more successful together. Um, it's also kind of leveraging, uh, this as a, another validation point too, where, um, wherever you're going next, whether it's, uh, the next step in a program or investors you're pitching and presenting to, or even, uh, customers you're talking with that you know want to see what validation points um you've had you know you can showcase that you've went through you're a graduate of this particular program and you're using all of that knowledge you've gained to advance and continue um the trajectory of your business should should an entrepreneur go through multiple programs uh it depends as long as Um, so I think one of the challenges or, um, opportunities in this space is there's a lot of variance between, um, you know, there's some programs that are a great fit for like idea stage. Some are a great fit for product development, uh, stage. Some are a good fit once you're already on the market and, um, they can all be considered incubators, accelerators, courses. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily make sense to go from a program to, you know, a program that's at the same stage that you already went through. But if you're going to something, uh, that is for, you know, the advanced stage that you are now in your company, um, it can make sense to go into that as your next step. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's also, there's, there's constraints on any company, whether it's, you know, time, money, resources, uh, that you can dedicate. So it's making sure you plan out effectively. Um, and they all have different, uh, yeah, kind of different structures too. So, you know, is this something that is effective because, you know, you're really going to focus on what this accelerator is doing over the next eight to 12 weeks and you see the progress, uh, you know, maybe you can achieve your six months goals in 12 weeks if you went through this program, or is this something, um, you know, that, uh, is going to take too much time away from all the sales and, um, product development tasks you have now and managing, you know, if the timing is right for any of these as well. What about the difference between, um, online and in-person events is it it is an only online program um valuable enough to spend your time or, or should it really be event-based yeah i think they can both be really valuable um i'd say with the online the biggest um you know the biggest advantages are bringing bringing people from wherever they are together. Uh, you know, you can tap into, um, advisors, investors, even other founders in the program from, uh, around the world. And it's, if you're in that scenario where, you know, um, I guess there's more flexibility on the timing where, you know, you can have that dedicated time for the cohort session, but then, you know, right after you're just, jumping you know you're uh you can jump into whatever other meeting because it's all or whatever else you need to be doing on your venture right after those specific sessions uh the advantage of in person is you know you get um you get to build up that more community feel meet people uh 
locally and um i've seen a lot more programs approach a hybrid approach recently even ours too uh we have um most of the sessions are online but then the last week is in person and we have a big pitch and demo day event at the end where everybody can come out to the boston cambridge area and um you know get to meet the investors and the community members in person uh experience you know um finally if they haven't met other members in the program face to face yet you know have that experience and get to build a stronger relationship with them and yeah we're seeing a lot of other programs either doing that uh towards the beginning or the end of their programs as well um getting everybody together and you know um build up some of that relationship building that is a little bit harder to do online I think it's really, really good. It would be really good to have the, the live event at the end, the way you're describing it. Because if I was going to design the program, I'd put it at the beginning. But it's really good to have it at the end because then people already know each other and then it's they're able to to use that. One of the things that is is true about the esports, about the gaming world, is that it's sometimes a challenge for female entrepreneurs, for female participants to to be included at the same same level. And it's, it's something that's... <clears throat> A surprisingly difficult challenge <clears throat> in the esports world, you know, uh, of, of women being able to be treated, this, you know, the same as men out there, uh, even on the playing side, but even on the business side, it can be a, a, an issue. What about in 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 the startup world? Do you think uh, there uh, is it easier if you're a man than if you're a woman? Uh, I'd say there's still a long way to go and equality there um there's yeah uh there's i mean there's been progress in terms of the numbers of you know funded um there's uh the success stories of female founded ventures um you know are um like probably uh pretty similar if not the same or better as um male founded companies it's just getting them uh there's less funding that's gone to those ventures so um you know there are some like different i think you know one of the one of the case studies i heard on this was um uh female founded companies when they talk about their their goals and visions for the business um they're a lot more realistic than uh, male-founded really? companies, and you know, uh, so you know, somebody um, the same company with a male or female founder might have uh, the male founder might say, you know, we can double our revenue over three months, and female founder might say, you know, we'll grow it thirty uh, percent or something, um, but then actually achieve those goals. So there can be um, I guess the benefit of that on the female founded side is, you know, your team gets really excited when you hit those goals. Um, the challenge then becomes, you know, if investors are used to seeing uh, really high, high growth rates that, you know, they have to assume are not going to be hit and, you know, in their mind, they cut it down a little bit. Um, then if they're cutting down the female founded ones, uh, you know, it's how do you compare what's realistic and what's going to happen and still view both as exciting future opportunities. So um, I think, you know, it's getting getting investors, getting entrepreneurs all on the same page and, um, you know, creating a more fair environment where anybody can be, uh, can, yeah, you know, create um, a valuable company and learn from each other on, what's what's working and what's not working in the startup space do you do you do much work internationally or most of the stuff that most of the people that you work with are 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 based here in the u.s uh both i'd say you know more are based in the u.s but we've worked with um plenty of international ventures as well and that's where uh yeah a lot of you know a lot of the virtual virtual program can come in really handy is you know as long as the time zones work out anybody can really 
jump in and you know meet people, interact with programs around the world. One of the things you you hinted at a little bit with the AI stuff. One of the things I want to ask you what what do you see in the future of the industry, and um, what really gets you excited about what we what's coming down the um, the road? Do you think? Sure. Yeah, I think. Um, I, I think. Yeah, it's definitely. There's a lot of tech advancements that are here to stay, especially because of AI enhancements. And it doesn't necessarily mean every business has to become an AI company. It means they can use certain tools and technologies that are out there to enhance the workflows or the way they build um, you know, content, the way they market their company, the way they uh, kind of convert people from leads to customers. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's easier. Uh, it's it continually gets easier to start a business. I'm not saying it's easy to create a successful startup, but you know, um, where if you look uh, 25 years ago, it, um, it was really difficult to uh, even you know create a create a website for your company, you know, it could be expensive to create a landing page for your company. If you look uh, 15 years ago, you know, that started being really um, like, there's all these templated platforms now where you can create something that starts getting those customer leads really effectively and efficiently. And if we, um, you know, if, uh, yeah, if you look at, where the businesses or the environment is today, you know, now there's um, tools that, you know, can create all of your marketing content, uh, still need some personal interaction and make it, um, make it, you know, feel personal and like it's coming from a human, but uh, you can do a lot of the tasks that you might've needed experts in certain categories where you can at least get started today and then bring people on to, make it make it better and um so yeah i guess where the market's going is it's easier to get started it's probably still just as difficult to scale it but um you know that might mean we have a lot more idea stage ventures and um you know there the uh validate or where the emphasis would go is taking those from those early uh, landing pages and those early ideas to resources that can help them um, get off the ground and really scale their companies. One of the one of the guests we had on uh, maybe season two, I think, of the of the podcast, uh, Jeremy Utley, Utley from um, the Stanford D School, the Design School there at Stanford, and one of the things that he talks about a lot in his book is um, in, in what one of the things they do at the school is they do. Um, uh, getting people out there to do quick testing. I mean, it's like, you know, you go out there and it's like, you, you think, well, I think I can sell this. And they're like, go do it. I mean, you know, you create something on it. You don't even have to actually sell it. Just, you, you don't have to deliver necessarily an item. You can explain what you're doing, but it's like, but get out there and start doing what it is that you, that you want to be doing. And you are going to learn things that you had no idea going in that we're going to be, uh, part of the thing. And and that's one of the things that I can see with AI and other technology. And so it can, it can, it can jumpstart that, that, that whole testing process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, no, even, um, like there's tools we use and recommend to our startups on, uh, um, like presentation decks that, you know, can generate the templates for you. And, you know, uh, it's still, understanding you know what you want to put in and what makes it effective but you know um those getting off the ground and um you know creating that initial framework you can go start talking to people uh, and you know it's become a lot easier and then it's just about the execution at that point is you know going out finding people that are willing to like listen give feedback and advice and um you know, help you shape the next 
direction of your company. Yeah, can we? I just want to ask you about your book because I, I keep bringing it up because I, I think it's it's a really well thought out um, book. Uh, it's called Venture Forward: Lessons from Leaders, which really, really like the title there. Lessons from Leaders because it's not like it, it, it's you're telling the stories of others, you're letting others to tell their, their stories about their success. And from all different uh, avenues out there, what, what what made you write the book? Yeah, I think you know one of the purposes uh, is exactly what you described. It's there's not always um, a prescription for you know this is exactly how you should build every single venture. It's more um, these are things that have worked for other ventures and they're not even, you know, necessarily all the same pathway that they took, but, you know, kind of listening to or reading, listening to what's worked for other companies and helping entrepreneurs figure out how they can apply some of those lessons to themselves. So, you know, it goes through um, everything from the ideation phase and how other entrepreneurs learn or, you know, came up with the ideas for their company all the way through uh, pivoting and, you know, listening to customer feedback and changing directions in their business. Um, yeah, where, you know, other businesses came out of their initial ideas all the way to how they built up, scaled and either, you know, exited or grew to huge uh, companies that, um, you know, are either still around or really big ventures today. One of the things um, that you mentioned a little bit earlier was the role of universities. But you also mentioned at one point hospitals, which I thought was really curious. I've never heard of hospitals as being a driver necessarily for for startup activity. But I can see, uh, I, I can see your point. <clears throat> what what role do universities play in in the startup world? Yeah, I think the two main benefits are, um, you know, one side is the research at universities so um whether that's creating like uh patented systems uh there's a lot of university research that then gets licensed out to somebody that wants to take it forward whether that's you know a student or that founded it or um somebody you know an entrepreneur that goes and helps uh there's a tech transfer process and you know they want to then take this research and spin it out into a startup of its own. Um, yeah. So one side is like having these research institutions that, you know, we're always thinking about things from the point of view of like, this is a problem theoretically, how could we solve it? And then an entrepreneur will take it and say, you know, can we turn this into an actual uh, startup that's building something and solving this problem? Uh, the other piece is, Basically, you know, the students in the area and one of the reasons they have such a big impact in Boston is, um, you know, there's a lot of universities and now even more entrepreneurship programs than ever before. And those students are either coming out of college and joining startups in the area uh, based on like, you know, their new backgrounds and entrepreneurship and business programs or uh tech programs if they're joining from more of the development side. Um, and then, yeah, they're able to either join established up and coming startups or, you know, they're coming up and creating startups of their own and um, networking, connecting with other people in the area that can join their venture and <coughs> help them build this up. Yeah. One of the things uh, when I was at Stanford business school, it's like everyone wanted to be a consultant or an investment banker. Sure. Now, it, everyone wants to be a, a, an entrepreneur. I mean, a startup. It's like it's just just amazing when when half of the of the class coming out is going down that that road. I mean, that that's that's a huge uh, shift in focus. Well, it took a few years to do, but it's still it's uh, it's something that's different. So, hey, I don't want to take your whole day here. So, I just really appreciate your your time here. Um, some of the things that I'm figuring out in talking to you is. Um, is to be curious and be analytical. It's like, okay, you know, because 
your curiosity is always something that's important. But I, I also get the feeling that you you analyze things a lot. So it's like it, things don't. Um, it's not just intuition. Oh, you know, my gut says, let's go do this. It's like, oh, the numbers tell us to go do this sort of right. thing, which, which is a much, a much better, a much better approach unless you have an incredible gut out there that's telling you those things. So where can people find you online and, and, and learn more about what you're doing? Sure. Uh, happy to connect with anybody that listened on uh, LinkedIn or I have a personal site, um, jasonkraus.me. Um, it has my like contact info to connect over email or any other channel there as well. Um, and yeah, I really appreciate all the great questions from you and, uh, our great conversation here and excited to meet, uh, a lot of the audience that tuned in here. No, sounds great. Hey, really appreciate your time here. This is as we get, as we get launching our, um, Season four, who knew that we were going to last season four of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. So this is Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast if you're interested in this. One of the things we find here on the podcast, we don't have the largest audience out there. But we have a really, really engaged audience. And that's that's one, one of the things we're looking for is engagement. So if you're in the audience and you want to, you want to connect with with uh, with Jason, with other people who have been on our podcast, with us, you know, you engage with us because because that's part of the fun of doing this. So we'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks, Jason. Thanks again, Jason. Thank you. Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks. You've just heard the Gamers Change Lives podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and leave a review. And if you haven't subscribed, do so right now so that you can stay up to date with episodes as soon as they're uploaded. And so you can hit the ground running on changing your esports adventure forever. You can also visit us at GamersChangeLivesPodcast.com. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks for listening.